to see you all. Welcome to our first Sunday back. It's so good to see your faces. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. It's so good to be back. We're thankful for uh, just the ability for us to... We're doing a little, little mic check as we go here with this... Uh, so thankful for our ability, you know, not the rest of Oregon's necessarily feeling it. So thankful that Crook County has the ability to get together and meet. We're just rejoicing in that. Um, seems like you all have, have come in and got comfortable as best as we can, you know, just being sensitive to each other. Look for that six foot distance, you know, and just read the room. If the person around you is trying to kind of get away from you, don't go up and... You know, maul them, and uh, and if you kind of need a little space, we do have the fireside room set up to kind of facilitate that. Uh, and there's also hand sanitizer uh, in the back there, and we kind of have them placed around. If you kind of look around, you'll see some. So uh, we want to be uh, just aware of that, sensitive to that as well. But today is um, totally a special Sunday, and we're just having a Sunday of rejoicing. Um, we're doing something a little bit different. We're uh, taking a little um, hopscotch over uh, John for the day. And we're going to look at Psalm 100. And what we're going to do is Psalm 100 has five verses. And um, we're going to kind of look at each verse. And then we're going to worship the Lord with a song kind of for that verse, basically. So it's going to be a, a real congregational service, you know, and it's going to be uh, exciting. And uh, so we're going to, um, I'm going to do just a quick introduction and then we're going to do two songs. But Psalm 100, if you got your Bibles, you can kind of get there, flip to it and uh, keep your finger in it because we're going to just be going back uh, to it throughout the day. Um, but Psalm 100, and this is just the intro, so we're not actually looking at the verse yet, but uh, it's titled, A Song of Praise for the Lord's Faithfulness to His People. So that's just something that we come with joyful hearts today. It's, it's joyful praise, recognizing God's faithfulness to us. Uh, it's maybe even titled in your Bible there in the heading, A Psalm of Thanksgiving. And uh, this speaks of a melody, it speaks of a song, and it speaks of communal sacrifice. And something that's special about this that we're going to see a few times is just the emphasis on the community in this worship song. Um, and just being together. It's a bit of a taste of heaven. This song of praise, it speaks of a choir of thanksgiving and we don't necessarily have a choir as a church but today we're the choir right we are the choir and we're going to be uh worshiping the lord and making confession of his goodness to us today it's um been said that this psalm is ablaze with grateful adoration and has been a favorite with the people of god ever since it was written in fact I was just praying this week about uh, what to teach on this momentous occasion, and I had already studied for John. I was pretty much good to go for this Sunday, going in John 1.14, uh, and I just felt like, that's just not what the Lord has for us today. And so then I went to uh, a different psalm, Psalm 74, and uh, I was like, oh, it's so good concerning current events, but I still don't think it's what the Lord has for us today. And uh, But, you know, um, kind of the song that was in my head is from this, I will enter his gates with thanksgiving in my heart. I will enter his courts with praise. And that just speaks of coming into the place of worship with joy in this time. And so that took me to Psalm 100, where it is ablaze with this joyful, grateful adoration. Uh, back in the 1800s, there was an old song uh, saying concerning this, let us sing the old hundredth. You've probably said that a hundred times, right? Like, hey, anyone want to sing a song on our road trip? Let us sing the old hundredth, okay? Um, you're going to start saying that. Uh, but it used to be an everyday expression 
of the church. And um, as long as we're looking forward to heaven, uh, we're going to just be saying, man, I will enter his gates with thanksgiving in my heart. I will enter his courts with praise. Um, It's been said, nothing can be more sublime on this side of heaven than singing of this noble psalm by a vast congregation. And so we're going to worship the Lord concerning this psalm today. Final little thing about this psalm. It's been said that it's a bunch of the grapes of Eshkol. That means something, right? Uh, It's just a delicious psalm. It's juicy. It's refreshing. And it's something that gives our heart gladness. So are you ready to worship the Lord today and make a joyful noise unto him? Let's stand together and the worship team will lead us in a couple songs.
joyful song of thanksgiving to be singing to the Lord. And if you'll stay standing, we're going to read the first verse of this joyful psalm together. So uh, we're New King James Version, and so we're going to read what's up on the screen here for us. And it's Psalm 101. Are you ready? Make a joyful shout to the Lord. All you lands. Let's shout to the Lord. Praise you, Lord. Give you glory. You guys can be seated. Make a joyful shout to the Lord. Cry out. Shout. Raise your voice and thwart an alarm. Cheer and signal with a loud voice. Shout with a voice of triumph and exultation. Give a blast to the Lord. The original wording means a glad shout, such as loyal subjects do when their king comes back to them. And how happy our God should be when his happy people worship him. A happy God should be worshipped by happy people. And today, guys, this is not a melancholy shout. It's not with weeping and wailing, but with psalms and hymns. Thomas Watson said that cheerfulness credits religion. And when the Lord sees the joy of our hearts reflected out of the joy of our faces, not based upon our circumstances, they see there's something real about who we believe in. And Polina, we just taught on the triumphal entry. And Luke's gospel says that as he was drawing down the descent of the Mount of Olives, that is Jesus, the whole multitude of the disciples began to rejoice and praise God with a loud voice for all the mighty works they have seen. 
And so today we join with the disciples, rejoicing with a loud voice for all of the mighty works we have seen. Today we really do have a measured, harmonious utterance from our heart. It's praise by a congregation of really devout people. As Spurgeon put it, this A hearty utterance of praise by a congregation of really devout persons is not merely decorous, but it's delightful. And it's fit anticipation for the worship of heaven. An old preacher named Ingrid Cobbin said, When the mind is truly in a worshipful frame, it seems to bring heaven down to earth and to raise earth up to heaven giving anticipation of the pure and sublime delights of that noble and general assembly in which the saints and angels shall forever celebrate together, praising God. So shout it out to the Lord today as we worship together to Yahweh, and it's for all the lands to participate in. Every kind of ground that covers this Earth, the whole world and every sovereign nation and country, every people and space, literally all the earth shout out to the Lord. And you know, in this pandemic, and it was the first week of this pandemic that I learned the difference between an epidemic and a pandemic, you know, oh, pan is global. Yeah, I knew that. It was actually during a sermon in Polina. I was corrected on that. It was quite humbling. But in this pandemic... Uh, You know, the whole world needs hope. The world needs life. The world needs the light of Jesus. And so we want to be a part of causing the whole earth and the whole world and all the people to worship Jesus. As Psalm 67, 4 says, Oh, let all the nations be glad and sing for joy. As the song of Moses says in Deuteronomy 32, 43, Rejoice all you Gentiles, all you non-Jews with God's people, for he will avenge and render vengeance. Romans will refer to the song of Moses in chapter 15, verse 7. And it says, therefore, receive one another, just as Christ Jesus also received us to the glory of God. Now I say that Jesus Christ has become a servant to the circumcised for the truth of God to confirm the promise made to the fathers that the Gentiles might glorify God for his mercy. For this reason, I will confess you among the Gentiles and sing to your name. And again, he says, quoting from that Deuteronomy song of Moses, Rejoice, O Gentiles, with his people. And again, praise the Lord, all you Gentiles. Laud him, all you people. And so we get to join as the Gentiles here today. 99% of us non Jewish, although I know I've heard of some of your ancestry.com results that uh, we do have some. Uh, some children of Abraham here today with us. So it's pretty exciting. Um, and uh, as Spurgeon says concerning verse 1, O ye nations, how long will ye blindly reject him? Your golden age will never arrive till ye with all your hearts revere him. And so in Psalm 1, as we sing it out together, and we're going to sing a response to Psalm 1 right now, if you'll stand with me. In a sense, we're worshiping congregationally, and this will go out of this room to the whole world to rejoice as Gentiles, uh, being part of the gospel advancement to the entire globe. So let's worship in response to Psalm 100, verse 1.
Let's read verse 2 together. Psalm 100, verse 2. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come before his presence with singing. Go ahead and have a seat. Serve the Lord. People of the Lord, serve the Lord. Till and toil and work, accomplish much for the Lord. Hear the urge to work for the Lord, to make others to serve and disciple them in service and to take them into service. Be humbled to be reduced to servitude, which is actually one of the greatest honors. Worship the Lord in service. The NIV says, worship the Lord with gladness. Christian, are you serving the Lord? Are you using your spiritual gifts to edify the local church? Are you a servant following after Jesus, the greatest example, the greatest model for us, the greatest motivation for us, who didn't consider it robbery to be equal with God because he was God, but he came and made himself of no reputation, taking on the form of a bond servant. Our God is a servant. His people are servants. And we will serve the Lord and worship the Lord, as it says, with gladness. In a state of joyful jubilation, taking pleasure in serving God. George Bowen said, can you bear to be waited upon by a servant who goes moping and dejected to his every task? It is not good to be a grumpy, frumpy servant of the Lord. You've obviously lost sight of what we're doing here. There is so much joy and jubilation in serving. In fact, it's been said that the key to joy, J-O-Y, is Jesus first, then others, then yourself. If you've got depression and you're struggling with depression, I would ask, are you serving? Pour yourself out to the Lord in service. Pour yourself out to others in service. Psalm 107, 21 says, Oh, that men would give thanks to the Lord for his goodness and for his wonderful works to the children of men. Let them sacrifice with the sacrifices of thanksgiving. That speaks of service. Let them serve with the services of of thanksgiving and declare his works with rejoicing. You guys, as Christians, we don't have to serve Jesus. We don't have to enter into his presence. We don't have to go to church. We get to. If it ever becomes a have to thing, you've totally lost sight of why we're doing all of this. We get to be together, church. We get to serve and lay our lives down. We get to be persecuted. We get to be mocked. We get to give every hour and every resource, every penny we have to the kingdom of God. Oh, that men would serve the Lord in this way. Psalm 42, 4, when I remember these things, I pour out my soul within me, for I used to go with the multitude. I went with them to the house of the Lord with the voice of joy and praise with a multitude that kept a pilgrim feast. That's a little bit of how we felt the last two and a half, three months. Man, I remember these things. And I used to go with the multitude to Calvary Prineville. Remember those days? Oh, man. Man, I'd come through here working at the church, and I'm just like, man, I miss the days when this room was filled with the praise of the multitude. I used to go with them to the house of God with the voice of joy and praise with the multitude, keeping a pilgrim feast together. We eat a lot here, just in case you're missing how that fits in. And then it says, come before his presence with singing. And it speaks of a gathering of ourselves together to be brought and including one another, to be rejoicing. And it speaks of a ringing cry in that. As the victory of Jehoshaphat in 2 Chronicles 20, 27, when they returned from the victory where God brought the victory, every man of Judah and Jerusalem with Jehoshaphat in front of them, they went back to Jerusalem with joy, for the Lord had made them rejoice over the enemies. So they came to Jerusalem with stringed instruments and harps and trumpets and electric guitars and basses and pianos, all amplified, I'm pretty sure that's, you know, the original translation there. 
We just finished studying the book of Revelation, and in chapter 5, we see a song of the saints in heaven, a song of the church in heaven. It's a song that we're going to sing together one day in heaven. We sing a new song saying, you are worthy, Jesus, to take the scroll and to open its seals, for you were slain and have redeemed us to God by your blood out of every tribe and tongue and people and nations. And I'm telling you, if this is not a sympathetic uh, joining in with the Black Lives Matter movement, we're there with you. We agree. Black lives matter. Jesus loves black lives, and we do too. And one day, we are going to be in heaven with black people from every tribe, every tongue, every nation. We're going to be with Asian believers. We're going to be with Amazon believers. We're going to all be before the throne of God, crying out, holy, holy, glory, glory, he reigns. And all of us together, every race, every tribe, every tongue, will be kings by the grace of God. We will be priests ministering to our Lord, and we will reign on the earth. And finally, uh, uh, Dr. Watts quotes, as it says, let us sing. He says, let those refuse to sing who never knew our God. So by the way, if you're a Christian, if you're born again, it's time to just (coughs) (coughs) clear out that voice box, all right, and just go for it. We don't care how it sounds. You know, my dad was one of the worst singers in the world. But I'll tell you what, he had tasted of the grace of God, and he was always singing it out. And it was never more sweet than when he had had a stroke that had completely crippled the left side of his body. And he drug himself up out of his wheelchair on his right leg and used his right arm to sing out to the Lord, praising him for his mercies. All right? I'm telling you, your melody probably sounds better than that to the ear. But, guys, it doesn't matter. When it's coming from the heart, we worship the Lord, okay? So it's time to just grow in singing. Sorry, like lose your pride and realize who Jesus is. And let's start singing together. So let those who refuse to sing who never knew our God. But favorites of the heavenly king must speak his praise abroad. So let's do it. We're going to worship with a song in response to verse 2, which was, Serve the Lord with gladness and come before his presence with singing. Okay, let's stand together.
read it together. Know that the Lord, he is God. It is he who has made us and not we ourselves. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. Go ahead and be seated. Guys, it's time to be aware and to respect the fact that the Lord is God. It's time to choose in our heart that he is God and to agree that he is God. It's time to tell and to teach that he is Elohim, the mighty one, the judge and the great majestic one. Know that the Lord, he is God. Our worship must be intelligent. A century ago, there was a popular saying, Man, know yourself. It was a witty, pithy statement. But man can never know himself until he knows his God. Matthew Henry said, knowledge is the mother of devotion. Grow in your knowledge of the Lord. Many a one, as F. Dietz says, many a one has drawn consolation from these words. Many have drawn comfort from these words. Friend, know your God. Know your God. This wars against natural atheism. This wars against atheistic deism. Know our God. This wars against practical atheism. Be still, Psalm 46.10 says... Be still and know that I am God. Man, when you're going through it, and this week when you're seeing all of the turmoil, just chill out. Quiet yourself. Be still before the Lord and just know who He is. Just trust in who He is. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted among the earth. Oh, what are we going to do if this riot happens and this happens and this and this and that? Oh no, what are we going to... Be still. Know the Lord. Know your God. He will be exalted among it all. We just finished the book of Revelation. Do you remember who wins? Jesus wins. Deuteronomy 4.35, to you it was shown that you might know that the Lord himself is God. There is none other beside him. Deuteronomy 7.9, therefore know that the Lord your God, he is God. Know who he is, that he is the one who keeps the covenant of mercy for a thousand generations with those who love him and keep his commandments. John chapter 17, verse 3, the high priestly prayer of Jesus, and this is eternal life, that they may know you, the Father, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. John also saying in 1 John 5.20, And we know that the Son of God has come and given us understanding that we may know Him who is true. And we are in Him who is true. In His Son, Jesus Christ. This is the true God in eternal life. Our text says, It is He who has made us. We've got to know that. And we did not make ourselves He is our cause. He is the word as we're studying in John 1.1. He has manufactured us. We are his work. Now some in our day and age call themselves a self-made man. Sorry. You're not a self-made man. You have a maker. He knows your name before even time began. Your life was in his hand. David Clarkson wrote, A potter, when he makes an earthenware vessel, if the clay be not his own, which he makes it of, he is not the full owner of the vessel, though he formed it. The form is his, but the matter is another's. But since the Lord made all out of nothing, or of such matter as himself had made, all is wholly his, matter and form all entirely." He made us. We are His. 
Psalm 95, 6 says, Oh, come, let us worship and bow down. It's a song. You might know it. Let us kneel before the Lord our God, our Maker. Psalm 119, 73, Your hands have made me and fashioned me, so give me understanding that I may learn your commandments. Ephesians 2.10, Paul says, we are his workmanship. It's the Greek word poema. We are his poem. But it also speaks of a work of art. We are his artistic work. We are his workmanship and we've been created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God had prepared before the foundations of the world beforehand that we would walk in those Good works and some practical helping of knowing that we have a creator. First Peter four nineteen says that if you're suffering according to the will of God, you can commit your souls to him in the midst of your suffering as to a faithful creator. Whatever you're going through, you can just, you know what? I've got a faithful creator who fashioned me, who has a purpose in this, and I commit my soul to him. Shall not the creature reverence his maker? Shall not the creature reverence his maker? We are his people, our psalm says. We are his nation. And we are the sheep of his pasture. We are part of the greater flock here, even today as we gather corporately again. And each individually, we are like a small animal. And it even can mean small cattle in a pasturage. Uh, it's branding season right now. I was at a branding this week, and there were a couple little calves that weren't feeling good, and they just looked so weary and so pathetic, and they've got just illness and sickness, and they're just like, help me, help me, you know. And uh, all the mama cows were heading out to pasture, and the cows were going with them, and then this one kind of like was going out of the gate, and then it just stood there, and it was looking at me. What do you, what do you want me to do here, you know? And I just was like, oh, like my heart was like, you little cute thing, you know, you need your shepherd, you know, you need your, your leader to help you and tend you and give you medicine. And that's what the Lord does to us. He is our shepherd. And it's like Isaiah 40 says, and we're just going to hop to verse 11 for the sake of time, that he will feed his flock like a shepherd and he will gather the lambs with his arm, uh, when I was first married for well, the first 10 years of my marriage, we lived in Corvallis, and there's a lot of sheep up in Corvallis. And on the highway between Albany and Corvallis, there's just lots of sheep in those green pastures. And early on in our marriage, uh, Lindsay in the car would always go, oh, look at the little lammies, you know? And that was like her saying, you know, look at the little lammies. And that's what the Lord says to us. We're just down here, you know, worried about everything and, you know, suffering and hurting. And he's like, you're just my little lammies, you know. You're the sheep of my hand. I'll gather you in my arms and carry you in my bosom and gently lead those who are with you. And Jesus says in John 10 that I'm the good shepherd. And he goes in to say how he lays his life down for the sheep. Sheep gather around their shepherd and look to him. And something very important, you guys. When Jesus ascended to heaven, he didn't leave us without leadership. It's a New Testament principle to have shepherds, pastors, elders to help tend us and lead us and guide us spiritually and to keep us in the flock, in the fold, as they feed us and tend us and water us with the word of God and with their presence. And so we are going to worship, if you'll stand with me, in response to Knowing the Lord our God, verse 3, it is he who made us and not we ourselves. We're not self-made men. We are his people and the little lammies, the sheep of his pasture. Let's worship with this knowledge.
only five verses, in case you're wondering, so, you know, just have a couple verses left, but enjoy it, right? Savor it. Verse 4, let's read it together. Enter into his gates with thanksgiving, and into his courts with praise. Be thankful to him, and bless his name. You guys can go ahead and be seated. You guys know this classic song, right? I will enter his gates with thanksgiving. Wow. You need a little culture, okay? You need a little culture in your life. Enter into his gates. It's speaking of this picture of the tabernacle and the temple, but in the greater thing, as the book of Hebrews tells us, we're entering into his presence. We're entering into even the heavenly gates and the heavenly courts. So come and gather together. Pursue the gatehouse. Go to the location and the place where there's an assembly taking place, the original Hebrews speaks of. And then in that assembly, there is communal sacrifice, a sacrifice that a whole community gets to take part of. And bring as you come a song of thanksgiving, assemble the choir for thanksgiving, have your lips speak out confessions of praise. Rabbi Menachin remarks that all sacrifices will be abolished in the end, but the sacrifice of thanksgiving, that one will remain. And enter into his courts, into his yard, his yard without walls. Come into the enclosure of the Lord with his glory and speak of his praiseworthy actions. Tell of his renown, tell of his glory. Psalm 116, 17 says, I will offer to you the sacrifice of thanksgiving. I encourage you as you go through difficult times and during the good, but in your car and as you take a walk, utter and and cause yourself to to make your body do it. When it's a sacrifice, when you're not feeling it, as the old Matt Redmond song says, when there's pain in the offering even, let thanksgiving come to the Lord. As we're told in the book of Philippians that we're not to be anxious for anything, but rather we're to With thanksgiving, let our praise be made known to the Lord and bring our supplication to the Lord. And and angst turns into thanksgiving. And angst turns into the peace of God guarding our hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. And so if you are going through an anxious time and a difficult time, and these are perilous uh, times of turmoil, let your lips begin speaking forth audibly the thankfulness of the Lord's Faithfulness. In fact, it's been said, it was Oswald Chambers, I believe, who said, His past faithfulness demands our present trust. Be thankful to Him, and then go about blessing His name. So, be those who speak and sing out His praise, and throw and cast worship and adoration to Him. Speak of His renown, and His reputation, and His good standing. Speak of his fame. One of David's last words after, it's at the end of 1 Chronicles 29, David writes a song, and this is at the end of his life, and then David says to the assembly, the people gathered together to worship, he says, now bless the Lord your God. So all the assembly blessed the Lord God of their fathers and bowed their heads and prostrated them. You got to say that one right. (laughs) There's an R in there prostrated themselves before the Lord and the King. And so we're going to do that now, okay? It's as if David is here saying to us, with the assembly, here we are assembled together, now bless the Lord your God. Let's stand together and let's bless the Lord our God. Enter into his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. Be thankful right now, people, and bless his name.
For the Lord is good. His mercy is everlasting. And his truth endures to all generations. You can have a seat. Yahweh is so merry. Don't you find him pleasant and desirable? He's a friendly God. And he's morally good. He's generous. And he's festive. He's beautiful and he's pleasing. Oh, the Lord is good. Daniel Cresswell says the former part of this psalm, Psalm 5, may have been chanted by the presenter when the peace offering was brought to the altar. And this last verse may have been the response sung by the whole company of singers at the moment when fire was applied to the offering. For the Lord is good, his mercy is everlasting, and his truth endures to all generation. He's a merciful God. This type of mercy speaks of being a loyal individual, sharing joint obligation, and being faithful, showing goodness and graciousness, Mercy here speaks of loyal love. Our God is a God of loyalty. It speaks of his glory and his favor. Mercy even speaks again of his goodness and that his kindness is everlasting. It's for a long time. It's for a long duration. It's for future times and times to come. God's mercy is for times of Phase one, phase two, and if it ever comes, phase three, he's a merciful God for all of eternity. In the past, he's a merciful God of antiquity, and a word that I just learned as I was reading, he's a future God of futurity. He's a merciful God. Mercy permits us to enter into his gates with thanksgiving in our hearts. Mercy permits us to go into his courts with praise. Let us praise that mercy. Psalm 52, verse 1. It's a contemplation of David when Doeg the Edomite went and told Saul and said to him, David's gone to the house of Abimelech. Why do you boast in evil, O mighty men? The goodness of God endures continually. God is a good, good God. He's a merciful, merciful God. And his truth, his steadfastness, his trustworthiness, his honesty, he's secure, it's security. His fidelity goes on and on. Not only is it, as it said earlier, everlasting, but now it's, it's kind of said a different way, everlasting to all generations. And it's interesting when you study the Hebrew here, his, uh, this everlasting to all generations, it's said twice repeated to itself. It's a really short word. It's dor, D-O-R, dor, dor is what it says here in the Hebrew. And so it's just repeated that he is true and it goes door, door. It goes to all generation. From my grandfather's generation to my father's generation to my generation to my children's generation and their generation, their children and their children's children. As one comedian stopped another man from saying their children and their children's children, he said, whoa, 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 aren't we getting a little extreme with the children's children? Isn't it turning into a ridiculous Russian doll situation? You know, yes, it is. I mean, think of the Russian doll that we've got going on from times past to times present. It gets really teeny tiny, right? His mercy and his truth endures door, door to all generations. We are a fickle folk, but he is not fickle. He's remembering of his promises. 
and he does not forget. When our God enters into a covenant with his people, he will never revoke it, nor will he ever alter the things that have gone out of his lips. As Spurgeon said, as our fathers found him faithful, so will our sons and their seed forever. I like Psalm 22 where it says, a posterity will serve him and tell of his goodness for all generations. What that means is that we serve the Lord and then we go and our children go and we all tell of the gospel and what he's done. Spurgeon went on to say, a changeable God would be a terror to the righteous. They would have no sure anchor. And amid a changing world, they they would be driven to and fro in perpetual fear of shipwreck. Does it seem like a changing world right now? You know, just when we kind of make an announcement to the church about we're going to do this just Wednesday. Wednesday, we spent like two hours out of the triangle outfit at Adam's place to pick out a plot of land where we were going to do outdoor church all summer long. Like, we're doing this, you know. And then by the end of the afternoon, nope, we can gather together. Oh, you know. And, you know, in the midst of a changing world, we can take trust in that our God is so unchanging. Closing with a Spurgeon quote again, as well might he his being quit as break his promise or forget. Our Lord might as well just quit. It goes completely against his character. He keeps his word and he endures for all generations. Amen. Let's stand together and we'll close with this song.
one last shout today. Thank you, Lord.